Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the display of your strength and power in the weather and what we see growing, the bursting forth, the colors that just overwhelm the senses just on a simple drive to church. You do exist, Lord, and there is no excuse for not knowing that. Dear Lord, we are humbled that you have revealed yourself to us, and it wasn't because we asked for it. Thank you, dear Lord. Continue to grow us to your likeness, especially emotionally, with this chapter from Pastor Borgman's book. We ask your blessing on our emotions. In Jesus' name, amen. We're still in section four, cultivating those godly emotions. It's more than just pulling up the weeds and mortifying the ungodly emotions. So we've taken a look at Jesus as our pattern insofar as how to display our emotions. Last week we started understanding how to renew our mind practically. Now let's look at some methods by which we actually cultivate godly emotions in the church. Chapter 17 the emotions and worship, music. It's about music. Jonathan Edwards says, the duty of singing praises to God seems to be appointed wholly to excite and express religious affections. No other reason can be assigned why we should express ourselves to God in verse rather than in pr prose and do it with music, but only that such is our nature and frame that these things have a tendency to move our affections. Pastor Borgman describes a prior experience of being asked to preach at a neighboring church, which had two distinctively different types of worship services. The early service featured traditional worship music. The atmosphere was quiet. The content reflected rich theology and put to minor keys, as he says. Very few people were singing. The later service offered up a more contemporary menu. The music was louder. The people were louder. There was no theological substance to the worship songs. It was very, very emotional. People were happy, clapping, swaying. Opposite ends of the spectrum, one stilted, stuffy, and reserved, the other raucous and unrestrained. 
good content with no emotion versus no content with lots of emotion. Which one is worship? Could it be that both situations in a strange way suffered from the same malady, just from different directions? We are going to explore the relationship between worship and emotions. This chapter has nothing to do with the worship wars. Debating traditional versus contemporary misses the point altogether. Borgman wants to answer the question, why do we sing? Regardless of style, we will discover that God-centered, truth-saturated worship cultivates godly emotions. Although worship is larger than singing, we will narrow our focus on the act of singing in corporate worship. Biblical faith is a singing faith. Believers in both the New and Old Testaments throughout the ages have been singing, singing believers. The church has always been a singing church. Wherever you go throughout the world and find Christians, you will hear singing. We are people who cherish truth and in turn worship in spirit and truth. We are people who believe in theology, but theology should move us to doxology, that is, God-glorifying worship. We sing because truth expresses and stirs our emotions. Now we recall the chapter on biblical anthropology in part one. We are to reflect God because we are made in his image and likeness. And as God's image bearers, we are thinking and feeling beings. When we sing, we should not engage in mindless chants or meaningless repetition that is void of content. As Christians, we sing truth. We sing songs that have biblical content. We engage the mind with lofty words, ideas, and concepts about the Trinity, creation, providence, and redemption. Singing engages the emotions. The truth enters the mind, captures the thoughts, and then moves the heart. Psalm 30, verses 11 to 12. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks to you forever. You can't even imagine that being written in a stoic frame of mind, can you? God's truth moves the emotions, and we manifest those emotions in song. Singing is for both expressing and stirring the emotions rightly. I think that was one of the big criticisms that was seen when I was growing up, 50s, 60s, and I'm sure it's had its corollary in other eras, other generations. Look at them singing those senseless songs and dancing around like a bunch of tribal idiots. Proof that music stirs the emotions and that sometimes how you express those emotions 
met some pushback, maybe, from those who didn't understand your expressions. Psalm 30 says, you've turned my morning into dancing. Whether you do the boogaloo, the shake, the shimmy, the cabbage patch. A church leader in Africa said, when we are happy, we sing. And when we are not happy, we sing until we get happy. If our minds apprehend the glorious truths of God, then we will want to sing. As we sing, we should feel reverence and awe before our awesome and holy God. We should feel the emotions of love and gratitude for what God has done. At other times, we should feel contrition and remorse because of our sin. Psalm 51 is an indication of that. I still to this day cannot, and the song escapes my mind, the one that um, paraphrases Psalm 51, but I can't sing that song without tearing up because it speaks a lot to my unredeemed past. The predominant emotion that is expressed and stirred should be joy. Psalm 9, verse 2. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The worshipers whom God seeks worship him out of the fullness of the supernatural life that they now enjoy. We sing because God sings. Check this out. Scriptures seem to indicate that God does sing. All right. We bear the image of God and our emotions compel us to sing, so we might conclude that God sings too. Psalm 105:43. Listen to these words. It's a short scripture. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing, with singing. Who was singing? He brought his people out with joy. His chosen ones with singing. Was he singing? Well, certainly the Israelites were singing. Does this suggest that God does too? Well, other texts are less ambiguous. Let's go to Zephaniah 317. When's the last time you've been in Zephaniah? The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And this is my, one of my takeaway notes here. God is a joyful God who jubilantly sings over his grace projects. That's what Borgman calls us, his grace projects. I mean, really, if the angels sing when someone's saved, was God up there saying, shut up, keep it down out there. Obviously, they sing because, sing, come on, we saved somebody. No, I did, but sing. All of God's attributes, all of his character traits, all of his works and his love and covenant commitment to his people are all reasons to joyfully worship him in song. Psalm 59. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. And, 
O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Psalm 95. We sing because of God's redeeming grace. Throughout scripture, the redeemed of the Lord break out into singing because God's redemption implants songs of praise in the heart. When I was converted, when the Lord saved me, I was in a position where I, I'm not embarrassed to say this, I was jumping in my room, hotel room, touching the ceiling. I don't know why. That's when I wrote in my my testimony, this is when I thought I had lost my mind. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Psalm 40, verse 3. It reminded me of a church my new neighbors had told me they were going to. Before I was married to Kay, I was living on the east side. And a couple doors down, a young couple moved in. And over the neighborhood fence, we'd talked and learned that they were Christians and I was saved. And I was going to another church in Mayfield Heights. And he said they were going to New Song Church up at Severance Center. And I said, oh, New Song Church? Sounds like one of those modern names with church. You don't know what there was on those churches like Journey Church or whatever. It's like New Song. But I'm like, I'm starting to read this chapter, and I'm looking at scriptural references. I can't believe how many times the words new song come up in scripture. It's a great name for a church. When the Father draws a sinner to himself in salvation, he not only saves the sinner, he also makes a worshiper. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. John 4, 23. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.9 We sing because God commands us to sing his praise. The commands to sing God's praise abound in scripture. This is a very... Uh, important point here and I want to extrapolate on it a bit. <clears throat> the commands to sing praise are morally good because it is morally right to praise the greatest person in the universe. This is Borgman's own words. Once again, the commands to sing God's praise are morally good because it is morally right to praise the greatest person in the universe. The greatest person in the universe is not you. And this is obviously being countered in this society because every little entity is becoming their own little god with their own little color, their own little flag, their own little title. All of modern society is consumed with self-praise. Little gods versus the god. It is morally right to praise the greatest person in the universe. Unfortunately, too many people think they're the greatest person in the universe. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. 
Psalm 33. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. The commands are instructive with reasons for praising. The reasons are God's person and his works. The commands also instruct your emotions. We are to sing loudly, joyfully, and with thanksgiving. Not necessarily, as the drill sergeant says in boot camp, louder! I'm going to see a smile on that face. (laughs) We are to sing loudly, joyfully, and with thanksgiving. There's an opening scenario in this chapter. Uh, Borgman is talking to a lady after a church service, and she goes, "You you do an awful lot of singing in this church. You sang for 25 minutes. And he says, you better get used to it, because we'll be singing for eternity. Start getting warmed up. We sing because we will be singing throughout eternity. Worship is the business of heaven. Angels sing God's praise. The redeemed sing God's praise. In the new heavens and the new earth, we will be singing to our great God new songs of praise throughout eternity. I'm going to read two longer excerpts from Revelation. And there will be some in this room that might be able to draw some kind of parallel to their former religious life. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, And thousands of thousands saying in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Revelation 5, 9 to 14. And then, in 14, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood a lamb. And with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like a roar of many waters, and the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. And John was given this vision of the singing in heaven, I believe it was the conditions of heaven at that time. I'm not sure if it was the conditions of heaven in the future. Regardless, it was a mind-blowing sight. When he saw what he saw, you know what struck me? Because of my background, I immediately remembered the Latin high mass as a small Catholic boy. There's something beautiful 
about that singing. Yeah, it was a long service. <laughs> but there's something beautiful about the singing on Good Friday. I was uh, watching a TV show and they were talking about a sect of Catholics, I believe Mel Gibson belongs to it as well, that are, and Matt Walsh also belongs to it. Uh, I forgot the name of it now, but they definitely like the high mass, the old, that old time religion, that old time traditional liturgy. There's something that reminds you of these verses when you're sitting under that music sung by a choir in Latin. So in conclusion, worshiping God with the mind and the heart helps us to draw closer to God. Worship always needs to be in truth, but it must always be in spirit and by the Holy Spirit. Worship in song can cultivate joy, gratitude, reverence, humility, repentance, and peace. Worship in song is designed to cultivate and develop godly emotions. Is our singing God's praise causing us to grow in godly emotions? Well, Heavenly Father, you alone know the answer to that. We do, we do sing here, and we do love singing your praises. And we thank you for giving this opportunity to remember what to be singing about, to sing out as the day that you took that burden off our shoulder and pulled us in, brought us near to you without a care in the world. Help us to remember the joy of our salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Illyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you.